today on Ag News Daily. We're able to come in today and, and provide that solution of providing connectivity. Morning, listeners. January 10th already, 10 days into 2023, Tuesday edition. Tanner and Jennifer today. Jennifer, welcome. Thanks for joining me today on your first news expedition. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to get to join and learn about how you guys put this all together. Oh, I'm sure you will do great, listeners. I know that you are expecting greatness out of her as well, so we'll just jump right into it. Always try to start with a little bit of weather news. Our southern plains, Jennifer, have continued to remain extremely dry. Now the Texas Panhandle and New Mexico are under red flag warnings. This dry weather will continue throughout today, tomorrow, with unfortunate wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. Humidity is going to fall below 15%. Obviously, Jennifer, when you combine those two things, there is a critical fire risk. Eastern Oklahoma, Western Arkansas are still seeing a little bit of rainfall. So expected to see some coming in this evening into tomorrow, which would be welcomed. Those isolated thunderstorms may cause a little bit of damage, but right now looking at marginally severe. So good news, we can get some rain in some areas and other areas that still need it, Jennifer. Well, I'd say that's pretty great news for them, Tanner. A story that I found this morning on AgWeb is mineral applying Silicon Valley superpowers to agriculture. For the past five years or so, the team at Mineral has been working inside X, the moonshoot factory of Alphabet, which is Google's parent company. Today, Mineral graduates as the business is made a standalone company within Alphabet. The company has been working to establish ag partners, which they currently have more than a dozen, to develop tools with machine learning, artificial intelligence, robotics, and geospatial technologies. They're hoping to bring new perspectives as an outsider by partnering with those who have good expertise and existing players in the agriculture industry, their CEO, Elliot Grant, said. If they're successful, they help to build a fundamental step in change and capabilities with a set of tools that will be incredibly powerful. They have the goal of in the next five years from now that they can develop tools that are machine learning enabled as a co-pilot, which would be no more remarkable than using Google Maps for navigation, Grant says. Wow. That, that's a great tech to use the article. Good one to uncover first. You know, as we have our new Congress finally up and running, the Renewable Fuels Association released their survey that still shows continued support from registered voters for ethanol and the Renewable Fuel Standard RFS. So it'll be nice if the legislature can continue to push forward those pieces of momentum. The online survey of over 2,000 registered voters had 65% of the respondents saying that RFS should have uh, should continue to support their mandates and only 15% specifically opposed it, which is great news. And then here in Iowa, ethanol plants have produced an estimated of 4.5 billion gallons of ethanol in 2022. That is a new record for the state, according to the Iowa, Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. The association put that estimate together based upon their survey data and that eclipsed the 2021 estimated production of 4.4 billion gallons. So obviously here, Jennifer Iowa continues to set the pace for ethanol production around the world. They are using the attractive prices at the pumps for E15 and E85 to drive sales 
and they expect 2023 to be the same as long as RFS continues to keep those mandates in place. So fun to see Iowa leading the way in the ethanol category. Yeah, that is great to hear as I was topping corn and so many other commodity groups. Absolutely. What do you got next for us? Another story that I found is fescue foot reported in Missouri cattle. Cows that graze on infected fescue are vulnerable to fescue foot following extreme cold spells and during cold weather. Producers might notice some cows or yearlings on fescue pastures moving slowly or limp earlier in the day, and it is said that they should act quickly on these as a warning sign of fescue foot. To be able to check for this is to put lame animals in a chute and check their lower legs. Hooves on hind feet may show swelling where legs join the hooves. A cool leg indicates lack of blood flow. The toxic alkaloids in fescue are vasoconstrictors. They shrink blood vessels and reduce blood flow to extremities, causing the hoof to die off. Cattle with fescue foot may lose tips of their ears or switches from their tails, but they may survive, but the market value of these fescue calves drops them considerably. There is also no known cure for this, but it is just best to kill off the toxic fescue and put in non-toxic varieties. Wow, great tips. I'm glad that you were able to share that with our listeners today. I don't have great news coming out of Russia. Vladimir Putin's unstoppable warship armed with the hypersonic cruise missiles we reported about last week is continuing to sail towards Britain in the Norwegian Sea. They conducted military games yesterday. A promo showed on Zelvada TV, owned by the Russian Defense Ministry, released today that they have been repelling simulated enemy airstrikes for the last six days in this controversial mission in the Norwegian Sea. The vessels armed with those hypersonic missiles, the relatively new weapon in Russia's arsenal, Putin had previously stressed that they have no analogs in any other country in the world and are nearly impossible to intercept. Norway's armed forces stressed that they are, even though they are legally in international waters, they are being closely monitored and every movement is under watch. So not a good piece of progression over there. The purpose of the military exercise was to test their air defense circuit and air-to-air and air electronic lighting systems, anti-aircraft fire systems, tactical camouflage, electronic war systems, and their circuit control system. So a lot of testing being done in the last six days, but ultimately this ship is on route to reach the Ukrainian waters in the upcoming weeks. Of course, now with these tests underway does show the dominance of this warship. So unfortunately, Jennifer, everything seems to be working out for the Russians during the testing phase of this new warship. Mm, That does not sound like the best news, I guess, to hear on a Tuesday morning. It is not. Hopefully you've got something to pick us back up. (laughs) Yes, actually, I do. As the USDA has announced major program improvements, progress and investments. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announced several major developments at the USDA that will help benefit farmers and ranchers across the nation. He spoke at the AFBF annual convention in Puerto Rico and said they want to provide all farmers with the opportunities they need to continue farming build and maintain their competitive edge and access more new and better markets. He says USDA is moving forward with the Fertilizer Production Expansion Program and published comments on the importance of increased competition. 
The agency is also improving risk protection for beginning veteran limited resource and minority producers. USDA is also investing more than $12 million to expand independent meat and poultry processing capacity in Ohio, Michigan, and Minnesota. There are new programs coming to fill the gaps in the 2020-2021 Natural Disaster Assistance and the 2020 Pandemic Assistance Programs. By working together, we can ensure that American agriculture remains resilient, as Vilsack said. Hey, that is a good way to pick us back up. Appreciate you sharing that. Headed back out to Las Vegas and the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, DTN reported on two new products being released. The Ram Revolution, which is a fully electronic battery pickup. This is a concept, but Ram promises to have their production models announced later this year. There is also another version of the Ram pickup that is an on-road, off-road, classified as a stubby truck. It is uh, called the T-Mac. It is provided protection from brush with a brush guard and windshield protection. It has a smaller cargo bed, almost like an off-road utility vehicle. Does have the capacity to carry nearly a ton of weight in that cargo bed. So it'll be interesting to see here. The TMAC runs also on battery and can reach up to speeds of 34 miles per hour. So a neat little evolution in the RAM products. And then also, Growers, the app launched an expansion package. Their pilot now is ahead of schedule. This is a app-based technology that allows farmers to shop input prices. So as Growers app is a free platform, farmers can now request pricing of inputs at, and then receive and compare offers from local re retailers to their retailers that they use in their network. Growers Retail Network has offered a special time offer up to January 31st of 2023. Farmers could receive up to $500 in a rebate off their first purchase greater than 25,000 made through the growers app. So some neat pieces of technology coming out of Las Vegas, Jennifer. Yeah, that is a great story for our Tech Tuesday episode. And I have one more story here to bring up a little bit more spirits as well. Coming back down to the American Farm Bureau Federation convention, they picked their 2023 winner for the Farm Bureau Dog of the Year. The, the dog's name is Tough, and she is a border collie owned by Denny and Donna Ashcraft of the Kansas Farm Bureau. Farmers and ranchers love what they do, but it can be stressful even on the best days, says AFBF President Zippy Duval. Farm dogs play a dual role as working dogs and companions to farm families, and that can help ease the burden. The contest celebrates farm dogs that work alongside farmers and ranchers as they produce nutritious food for families and pets across America. Tuff, the winning dog, is 14 years old and has been with the Ashcraft family since the age of two. Tuff injured her spinal cord and was paralyzed for a week when she was seven years old, but has since then recovered and spends her days working with the family and the livestock. Wow, I did not expect there to be a happy ending after you mentioned Paralyzed. It's great to see the dog and family friend back up and running. But I think that's all the news that we have today. So let's close out our Tech Tuesday news edition with a look at the markets. Corn down overnight, three cents, opening at 649. 
soybeans up two cents in the overnight at 15.05 and a half. Wheat did knock off a substantial change in the overnight down nearly 20 cents coming in at 7.21 and a half. As we now look into the livestock side of things, live cattle up 85 cents to 158 and a half in the February contract. January feeders are 184.20 as they had little change in the overnight. Lean hogs down nearly half a penny to 80 and a quarter for the February contract. So that was a quick look at markets today. Now let's jump into our conversation with Drew Vogler. Well, as we look at connectivity on farms, that's going to be a hot button issue, I think, moving forward as a lot of old legacy farm systems continue to try to adapt and develop. Chatting today with Drew Mogler, the business development manager for Barn Tools. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Delaney. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you, Drew. And uh, for some of our listeners, they may recognize your name or your voice from your former role with the Iowa Pork Producers. You previously worked in their policy position and just recently, somewhat recently, I should say, started working for Barn Tools. Tell us a little bit about that career transition. Certainly, yeah. I had I had the uh, honor to have a very rewarding role at the Iowa Pork Producers Association and serve pork producers uh, in my public policy role. Um, and, and I had this unique op- opportunity with barn tools pop up here, uh, back in, uh, late summer, 2021. Um, I grew up on, on my family's farm in Northwest Iowa. That's always been very progressive and embracing technology and being able to be more efficient and make better decisions faster and was really inspired by the vision and work that barn tools was doing and, uh, and jumped up at, at the opportunity to, uh, you know, be part of that ride. So, Drew, tell us a little bit more about your role with Barn Tools as the business development manager. What are you doing day to day? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about connectivity on farms and some of the challenges that that presents in rural parts of the country. Um, and so really what what we do is, well, if you really look at the issue of the lack of connectivity in rural areas and a lot of the technology that's on livestock farms today, particularly for us, where we look at is in the poultry and swine industries, a lot of the systems and technology that's on farms isn't even internet enabled today. And so when we look at uh, precision livestock farming and different things like that, the ability to collect and connect data and information from those farms is really a huge issue because one, the lack of connectivity in rural areas, and two, the technology on farms isn't even able to be connected to internet if they did have connectivity available. So my job is to really um, visit with growers, producers across the country every day and just talk about, you know, their needs, kind of where they would like to be in the future of being able to take information off farms, make better decisions, be alerted uh, when when things are, are going on on the farm that they need to take care of. Um, and so that's that's usually what I spend uh, most of my days is talking to producers about those kind of challenges and and how barn tools can uh, be a good solution for them. Well, it really is interesting when you think about farm connectivity. I remember growing up, we had quote unquote internet, but it was basically dial up internet that was Wi-Fi based and it was just absolutely terrible. I can't even imagine 
that we would have ever been able to run any sort of data programs or any sort of, um, you know, tools like that for any sort of automation within our barn, just because where we were located did not have great internet connectivity. What's the solution to work around that for farmers today? Yeah, and, and certainly there's a lot of buzzwords thrown around in the industry about big data and, and precision farming and things like that. Um, but we really try to focus on providing value to the people that are in these facilities every day that are taking care of animals, whether that's swine or poultry, we want to be able to provide them value. And so what we did was we looked at the alarm systems that's in a lot of these facilities today. And those are normally connected via landline or maybe some kind of cellular dialer. And the issue that a lot of these growers are dealing with is one, landlines in rural areas have increasingly been um, unreliable, whether that uh, company's not uh, keeping them updated. On the cellular standpoint, a lot of those uh, dialers are still running on 3G cellular networks, which many of the cellular providers have shut down those networks this year uh, or this past year. And that has really um, put a lot of these growers in the situation where they're not able to receive alarm notifications of things that are happening um, on their farm. So with our barn talk alarm system, we not only give those growers a reliable alarm system for their farms, we provide the connectivity that enables them to have a reliable alarm system. And so that, that helps them get over those, um, those roadblocks of unreliable landlines or old outdated 3G uh, dialers on their farms by having the, the barn talk alarm system on those facilities. Yeah. So as you think about those old legacy systems, those 3G systems, how many of those do you think are still out on farms, Drew? You know, I would I would say there's still a lot. I mean, we really we really pushed that message um, uh, this past year about how the FCC is is going to be mandating that those systems be turned off. Um, and we certainly have seen a lot of people switch over or find other connectivity solutions on their farms. Um, but but I would still anticipate that many, many producers are still dealing with the risk of of not having, uh, uh, you know, updated or upgraded connectivity uh, on their on their operations today. And so in your mind, what is the path forward to get those people updated and into new systems? Well, certainly there's a big push in in rural areas for getting um, you know, fiber optic internet out there. I think that's probably uh, long term where uh, a lot of people will be able to get uh, get to, but that's going to be a a slow rollout. If you think about all of the different facilities across rural America that are, um, you know, in rural areas, it's going to take a long time for them to get internet to that, uh, all those different facilities. And so we're able to come in today and, and provide that solution of providing connectivity to have uh, visibility uh, into what's happening on farms today. 
Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, that's enabled a lot of our customers and producers to be able to, you know, not only see what's happening in one or two of their facilities, but, you know, we, we know that we're working with farmers and it's, it's priced at a point that they can do this across an entire operation. Well, and it's interesting too, as you think about moving into this year and, and beyond a lot more packers, producers, uh, retailers, grocers, et cetera, they're wanting to be able to track from literally farm to fork. And it sounds like you guys have a way to help producers accomplish that. Absolutely. Yeah. We've seen this trend emerging here, you know, over the past several years where the consumer wants to know more about where their food comes from. And so we've seen a lot of different initiatives and goals and aspirations from um, food companies talk about, you know, in their sustainability reports, we're going to track uh, different on-farm metrics. And and I'm sure, you know, you've talked and heard a lot about a lot of the stuff that happens around carbon, but other things where we fit in would be around um, things like water consumption. How, how much, um, you know, water are those animals consuming on an annual basis. Uh, there's other, there's some other exciting stuff that we're um, working on that would allow folks to, to track energy usage around like LP gas. Um, that also factors into some of those carbon footprint calculators. And so um, really, that's how we view barn tools as, you know, number one, it's a value to the grower in the barn to be able to have visibility into real-time conditions. But number two, we want to be the vehicle for data off the farm. And so um, whether we package that in the form of an alarm system for the grower, for a production system, if they want to be able to tap into all that information and track, okay, how much water uh, has has this particular facility consumed in a, in a specific period of time, we're able to provide that reporting um, to those companies so that they can benchmark themselves and incorporate that information into different sustainability metrics um, to be able to give consumers more information and more transparency about what's happening on farms every day. Drew, as you look at 2023, what do you think the biggest technology or sustainability metric is going to be? Well, I think we do hear a lot about carbon footprint, and and that's obviously a very um, you know, big thing to track. There's so many different aspects that go into that. Um, I think the other constraint that um, is continue is going to continue to be an issue for livestock and poultry producers is just access to uh, labor to be able to take care of animals. And so obviously, you know, producers have a big responsibility to provide daily care for their animals and um, every day on the farm. Um, you know, that's something that I think has drawn a lot of people to barn tools to talk about our different solutions of being able to have more visibility into what's happening on farms. When you're in a constrained labor situation, you have to be able to prioritize where your time and resources are going. And so um, that's another reason that we've seen a lot of people take a look at barn tools and our barn talk products, because that enables people to see, okay, these, these particular areas or these facilities need a little bit more time and attention than 
than maybe others. And so um, I think definitely as, as um, you know, labor continues to be a constraint um, that, that um, you know, just having more visibility into what's happening on your operation is going to continue to be important. Well, Drew, certainly appreciate your insight into farm connectivity. If folks want to check out Barn Talk for themselves or find out more information, where can they go to do that? Yeah, I would I would uh, direct folks to check us out. Our our website is barntools.com. Uh, we also are are always posting stuff on our YouTube channel and different social media. Uh, platforms. Uh, please do check us out there. Um, and yeah, if, if farmers have questions about this, they're you know welcome to get in touch with us um, by going to our website and, and we'd be happy to chat with you more about that. Fantastic. Well, Drew, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Absolutely, Delaney. Thanks for having me. Well, Jennifer, that was your first news edition. Appreciate you jumping on and sharing with us. It's always fun to get some news and some good conversations out to our listeners. Absolutely. It was a blast, and I can't wait to get to join back on here with you in the future. Let's see if you picked up on the closeout that Delaney and I usually put together. So this was awesome. We appreciate it, listeners. Stick with us again for another day. But for day, what do you say, Jennifer? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.